one place that you have not looked, and it is there, only there, that you shall find the master. You sure look like a master to me. All right, Leroy, who's the one and only master? I And that was The Glow with Kiss My Converse here on Youngstown's number one hit podcast, The Pool Scene Podcast. Number one is voted by us. This week, we are covering 1985 cult classic, The Last Dragon, sometimes titled as Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. That's because it was produced by the man who launched the Jackson 5 and Marvin Gaye and the Supremes and the Temptations and so on. I would love to know what made Barry Gordy think, you know what? I'm going to jump into this movie foray as well. Let's do some Kung Fu shit. Saw the Karate Kid. I'm sure he signed some acts with just one name because that's who this movie is headlined by. Two people with only one name. No, not Sting and Aaliyah. (laughs) Although, oh God, man. Sting and Aaliyah may have been appropriate because at times this movie feels almost like a musical in the way it, like it, it incorporates songs about the movie into the movie like there's several songs in this movie that aren't like the types of songs that would be on the radio for instance the glow song would not have ever been on but it's an awesome song and then there's there's like six or eight different songs in this movie that are not released for radio but are good songs some there are some that would never even touch a cassette oh it's a seventh heaven song especially that one that one is awful never If you look at all the movies we have covered so far, that might be near the top of one of the worst songs we've ever heard. In Search of the Glow is Jim. Hi, Jim. Hello. Who's the master? I'm Kevin, and in Search of the Glow, I was given an item that I thought was of great significance, but turned out to be a a belt buckle or whatever it is. So we often talk about taglines attached to the movies we cover. This movie didn't really understand the assignment or how taglines work because... You can literally Google Last Dragon original poster, and this was included on the poster. You ready for it? Is it better than Leisure Rules? It's a d- much different than Leisure Rules. All right, go for Let it. Let me take a deep breath. <sighs> he's a martial arts master who refuses to fight. He's a Bruce Lee fan who's sure he's so sure he's Oriental that he eats popcorn with chopsticks. His friends think that he's too serious. His family thinks he's crazy. His enemies think he's no challenge, but he knows. He's the last dragon. Kevin, point of order. That's not a tagline. That's a synopsis. Yes. So instead of a Bruce Lee yeah. gets the glow, whatever, they literally give you a a paragraph synopsis yeah. of the whole movie. Yes. It's not, there's just a paragraph of text on the poster. There's so much text on a poster that the picture is very small. So Jim, at the time that these posters would have been hanging out in the wild, tell us what was going on in the world, along with number ones and budget and box office for Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Well, if we're able to fit that all in throughout the paragraph of text we got for the tagline, I can tell you that on the poster we would read, release date March 22nd, 1985 to a $10 million budget, and it ended up making, surprisingly enough, $22 million at the movie theater. All the movies that came out in 85, and we've covered quite a bit. And I'm going to go see The Last Dragon. Barry Gordy. That's got to be it. Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. People are like, ooh, Barry Gordy. Yeah, not just, oh, Last Dragon. That's some sort of Bruce Lee movie. Oh, I love Timok. Yeah, I love Timok. It's Timok, not Timac. I don't know. Like BB, would it be BB Mock instead of BB Mac? That's right. So flashback time, Kevin. Gas was a buck twelve. Optimus Prime, not Choptimus Dave, was the number one toy. Kevin, this was amazing for 1985. Symbolics, a company that you are very familiar with, was a computer manufacturer that registers the world's first dot com domain name in 1985. Wow. wow. Which, wow. Talk about having okay, a foresight. This is going to be a crazy question. Do right. you remember the first website you visited? Would have been around like 1994. Oh, Jesus. In, do you? Yes. In Sears in the Eastwood Mall, I visited www. No, you have to do HTTP. Well, I didn't do the HTTP. It was oh. already there. So www.pepsi.com. Really? Yeah. 
Now, I can remember being in high school and being a big fan. I don't even remember if there, there were a ton of mixed martial arts messaging boards like ShareDog. I used to go in out all yeah. the time, and I was always fascinated by the Netscape Navigator logo. Yeah. I loved watching that thing run. However, also in 1985, when it comes to the world, Cal Gorbachev becomes the general secretary of the Soviet Union, and he started his own Daddy Green's franchise in Moscow. Just direct your pizza to Daddy Green's pizza. The FDA approves a blood test for AIDS. All right. Big, big news. And Kevin, we got some controversy. Huge controversy. The day after Stevie Wonder dedicates his newly won Oscar to dissident leader Nelson Mandela, the South African Broadcasting Corporation bans Stevie Wonder's music throughout the entire country of South Africa. Because you have to remember at that time, apartheid was the big thing. So no Stevie Wonder in South Africa. But the one thing that was in South Africa, what up, George? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to the Sports Machine. All right, Kevin, when it comes to the Winter Olympics, we all know that at least the both of us and a lot of the population are fans of curling. Mm-hmm. The 1985 Labatt Briar Curling Competition concludes in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada, with Pat Ryan of Alberta to win his second Briar title. Big moment for Pat Ryan himself, an American dog. Maybe musher or musher? Musher. Musher. Libby Riddles. Great name. Wow. Libby Riddles becomes the first woman ever to win the Iditarod in Alaska. And also, Kevin, around this time, WrestleMania won. Mm-hmm. Hogan, Mr. T, Piper, rest in peace, Paul Lorndorf, was the main event of WrestleMania one, And, of course, that changed the entire li- landscape of professional wrestling. And then AEW's All Out came out last week and totally changed it once again kevin your national video top rentals of the month are as follows star trek 3 a search for spock muppets take manhattan sweet and gone with the wind all right so get that re-release that four cassette re-release for gone of the wind the number one movie in america that reclaimed its top spot after its 15th week of release, Beverly Hills Cop wow. comes back and takes the number one spot at the box office. How often that happens? It's rare anymore. Back then, you know, you had a limited thing and VHS was a new thing coming around. But the one thing that was always around for you guys to listen to and love and adore, the number one song in America, R.E.O. Speedwagon, Can't Fight This Feeling. REO Speedwagon. You gotta love the music of REO Speedwagon. And that is all that was going on, Kevin, in March of 1985. Wow, that was a good one. Let's kick into the plot. Leroy Green, aka Bruce Leroy, is, is obsessed with martial arts and his idol, Bruce Lee. If it ain't serious, Lucy, Leroy Green. I've been waiting a long time for this, Leroy. I am sick of hearing these bullshit Superman stories about the Wassa legendary Bruce Leroy catching bullets with his teeth. <laughs> Catches bullets with his teeth? Nigga, please. The secret awaits eyes unclouded by ambition. What? Those who are bound by desire see only that which can be held in their hands. That's putting it mildly. Yeah, he's not. his name's not Bruce Chan or Jackie <laughs> Leroy. Leroy's master, which is the word he uses that doesn't necessarily hold up. Uh, so I'll call him Leroy's trainer. <laughs> yeah, he is no Miyagi, yeah. okay? Tells Leroy that he has achieved the final level called The Last Dragon. And that through spiritual concentration, Leroy should now be able to possess a power called the glow. His trainer sends him on a journey to find master some dumb goy to help him unlock the glow. Fun fact, 
is that goy is the term that Jewish people call non-Jewish people. Not a der- not necessarily derogatory, derogatory term. No. Just it's sort of like Japanese people referring to American as gaijin. Exactly. But there's a little bit of negative connotation with that. Yes. But uh, or like the time at the Mexican restaurant that uh, we got called gringos. Oh, interesting. That seemed a little derogatory. It's great. Anyhow, so uh, yeah, Goy's in the Old Testament, but the person he's searching for literally named some dumb Goy. Wow. So some Jewish man, I'm sure, wrote this movie and was like, thought it was excellent. So funny to put that joke in. So there's a bad guy named Shonuf, the Shogun of Harlem. He's pretty much like he hates Leroy, but I'm not certain whether he actually knows who Leroy is until that opening theater scene. Yeah, I don't think he does either. Because somebody, some little kid says, Bruce Leroy could kick your ass. In the, yeah, in the movie theater. Yeah. I think it's because Leroy refuses to fight Shonuf, and he's the last obstacle for Shonuf to prove that he indeed is the real Shogun of Harlem. Shonuf and his gang break into Leroy's martial arts studio and assault the students. They also fuck up Leroy's parents' pizza shop, basically doing everything they can to make the message clear that Leroy has to fight Shonuf. There's a lot of subplots. Our other bad guy is Eddie Arcadian, who's a video arcade mogul. He wants to kidnap the host slash VJ of hit video show Seventh Heaven, Laura Charles. Also, Eddie Arcadian that stumbled upon us, Kevin and I did not realize this. He was also the head of the mailroom in Secret of My Success. Yeah. So you're going to play my video, huh? No. Maybe you didn't hear it right. So I'm going to ask you one more time. Are you going to put my video on your show, or aren't you? I'm going to tell you one more time. The answer is no. Oh, Eddie, she's just tired. Tired, huh? She's going to be dead tired. She's not careful. Basically, Eddie has this dime store Cindy Lauper, or Lauper, as uh, <laughs> they would say in <laughs> Just One of the Guys. So that's his girlfriend, and he's pissed that Laura won't play his girlfriend's music video. Leroy sees Laura being attacked, but easily fights off the assailant. So essentially, Eddie sends a gang of people to... His goons. Yeah, to to kidnap Laura. They're basically going to hold her hostage in exchange for playing this video. All that effort to literally hit play. Yeah. Okay. This is where everyone crosses paths. Leroy is now on Eddie Arcadian's shit list. So Eddie hires Shonuf to beat up Leroy, which is redundant because that's what he's been trying to do the whole time. Who doesn't accept a ton of well, money. That's what I was going to say. So it's like, it would make sense if, okay, now I get to kick his ass and I get paid, except he's like, I don't want the money. Keep your money. You just get that sucker to the designated place at the designated time. And I will gladly designate his ass for dismemberment. Yeah. Hey. Well, whatever. <laughs> Any way you want to do it. It'll certainly be my pleasure, Mr. Nuff. Yeah, I'll just get it's a receipt. Briefcase of money. Yeah. Not important, but Leroy finds Master Sumdum Goy, who's actually just a computer at a fortune cookie factory. Leroy's journey was the friends he made along the way. <laughs> As an appetizer, we get a huge brawl at 7th Heaven between Leroy's students and all the goons that Eddie Arcadian has hired for the bounty on Leroy. The main course is the fight between Leroy and Shonoff. Shonoff possesses a red version of the glow. It's like Vader. Yeah, and nearly beats and drowns Leroy to death while trying to make Leroy admit Shonoff is the master. Leroy sees a flashback making him realize he has everything he needs inside. And a master, or I should say a generic Miyagi, who told him where it exists, his glow. So he emerges with a golden version of the glow and kicks Shonuff's ass. Eddie Arcadian tries to shoot him in the face, but Leroy catches the bullet in his teeth and then hangs Eddie on a chain two feet above the ground. And then the police show up and then um, they play that horrible love theme song. And then the movie ends with a weird freeze frame so let's get to characters Timok or Timac as Leroy Green so Lawrence Fishburne and Wesley Snipes desperately wanted this role I could not have even imagined they both were like yes but I will say Wesley Snipes was like too cool and stuff to play that timidness and shyness now Larry Fishburne yeah Larry Fishburne probably could have done I would it. say so. Vanity is Laura Charles. She's a prince protege. Julius Carey is Shonuff, the Shogun of Harlem. Now, I'm going to throw out some names that were considered for the role of Shonuff. Jim Brown. I can see it. Fred Williamson. Ron O'Neill. I don't know Ron O'Neill. Billy D. Williams. Oh, definitely. And Carl Weathers. 
Okay, I can see all of them. Sorry, Ron O'Neill. I do not know who you yeah. are. Uh, and then we have Christopher Murney as Eddie Arcadian. Anybody else we want to mention? You His- get a William H. Macy. All right, will you at least look at the videotape? JJ, there is no point. Laura, there is a point. The point of the knife, which is pointed at this point on my neck. He'll slit my throat if you don't do this for me. Come on, Laura. And Chaz Palminteri. Yeah. Appearances. And we get Martin's best friend from The Martin Show, Carl Anthony Payne the second. Yes. So which actor or actress gives a passport performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? Throw it out there, Kevin. It's it's Leroy's best friend. Johnny you. Johnny you. Pleasure to meet you. Johnny, what are you doing? Well, you see, Leroy, uh, you know how you're always teaching us to master the art of fighting without fighting? We said I did you one better. I mastered the art of fighting without knowing how to fight. Yes. Who has the weirdest amalgamation of accents I've ever heard one man do. It's probably because it's 1985 and they could get away with it. But this guy literally refers to himself multiple times as Oriental, despite being straight up a white guy. Well, first off, Leroy himself walking around, you know, Bruce Lee outfit with the giant Raiden hat from Mortal Kombat. Racist as shit. Yeah. That is so fucking overtly racist. But I love Johnny U. Johnny U looks like if Bruce Lee did have a child. Yes. He looks identical to Bruce Lee. But his whole thing is, I can do the what? And it looks like he can kick your ass. And what does he do? He runs. He runs. He has Except no fighting skill. In the end, it during the big brawl, it all clicks. Yeah. And he starts kicking. He starts nunchucking the shit out of people. I love Johnny U. And also, shout out to the three guys that run the fortune cookie. Love those guys. Those guys are the best. Take a hike, Koobies. Please, I must see the master. It is very important to me. Look here, Chuck. The master don't see nobody. Yeah, he don't see no one who don't know how to get down, baby. You dig, bro? You too square, man. Let me say it so he can understand it, Jim. You go now. (laughs) Chop, chop. Holy ass out of this place. All right, let's move on to best scenes and find out what made a splash. Jim, why don't you go ahead and go first? How about that vanity performance at the very beginning with that horrible song from Seventh Heaven? I found a place, finally find a place for you and me to go if you want to get in. Ha ha, step up in the elevator, press number seven. That's all you got to do to get to seven, seven, seven. Yeah, so she wow. descends down from like a Russian doll type of elevator and emerges and play the whole, play the section that's like the never, the whole whisper portion of the song. Never say never at heaven's elevator door because once you dare, you can't get it up anymore. Essentially, Seventh Heaven is... I never want to hear that again. So, Seventh Heaven's sort of like... American Bandstand. American Bandstand, The Grind. It's like Soul Train. Even there's like a bunch of people dancing, but they play music videos. Yeah, videos in the background. It's very ornate. I want to say it was like Diana Ross or someone had visited the movie set while I was recording and they saw the Seventh Heaven set and they asked, they wanted to buy it because they were like, I'm taking this on tour. It's a really great set. And I'm going to descend down out of that Russian doll thing and come down the stairs. It's really neat. Five million dollars of the budget went to that set. Four million went to all the video jukeboxes within Eddie Arcadian's apartment. So I will say my first one, Shonoff showing up at Leroy's family pizza shop and destroying it. I am the showgun of Harlem. And the Leroy Green I'm looking for is a little punk that thinks he's a kung fu master. Oh, you mean Junior? Junior? Junior! Where is he? Don't know. Not sure I'd tell you if I did. So great. So we get a cut from basically the dudes Jim mentioned. They're lip syncing outside the fortune cookie place. They're Which doing like going this, crazy for. They're doing like this busking performance where they're like uh, this sookie hot song that's like funny and cool. And they're like uh, dancing and lip syncing to it. And I always love those dudes. And then immediately we get almost like a jump cut to Shonoff standing in the pizza place. The pizza place. And he's like, where's Leroy? And he's like, well, I'm Leroy Green. And he's like, no, the other one. He's oh, like, you mean Junior? Yeah, Junior. And they laugh because he's a junior. It's apparently a bad thing. But uh, <laughs> so they like smash the tables and they pull down the lattice work and the mom starts throwing pizza dough at them. The excellent part, the cap off, <laughs> is they, for some reason, have one of those video jukeboxes in there. 
and it's playing Eddie Arcadian's girlfriend's video. Dirty Look, I think it's called. Yeah, and uh, show enough's like. Tell. What is this shit? He's so mad. But the volume somehow keeps increasing yeah. with nobody touching And it. it's so great because when Daddy Green, Leroy Green Sr. is so good. And when Shonuff kicks in the video jukebox, he's like, I don't own that. That's not even mine. It's so good. I also love, I brought this up while we watched it. They have like sporadic signs throughout the pizza joint, like Sane's. The main one that's on the wall they misspell the word doctor to D-O-C-T-E-R. You think it's as many times as somebody would walk in there or as many times as they work in there, they would go, I think we fucking spelled doctor wrong. <laughs> so my second one is Leroy is in the car with Vanity. I have this too. With Laura. You see, my friend, he has never been, he likes this girl. Yeah. But he has never been with a woman before. He does not even have a paintbrush. Paintbrush? He cannot even draw. Draw? What are you talking about? You know, the art of making love, moves. Oh, of course. I would love to show you some moves in your Oh, no, 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 no. It's not for me. I said it is for my friend. He's trying to be like, I have a friend. She definitely knows that he is talking about himself. Yeah. I have this friend who is very shy. That's the thing about throughout this whole movie. Timok or Timac has this weird robotic cadence he's like a he's like a naked gun he's like a robot until he gets prompted and his prompt is bruce lee so he shows no emotion he's like a total robot until anything chinese connection bruce lee or bruce lee is shown or there's a bruce lee and then he gets all animated he gets very the funny thing about this scene is he's trying to come across like he's hitting on her but he doesn't know how so he's making up this friend he's basically asking laura to teach him to have sex, which he calls moves. Yeah. I want you to know if you could teach me or teach my friend moves. Well, it's so great because she sees through it and she says, I'll show you some moves. And he's oh, like, not me. Yeah. My friend. Yeah. So you are asking her to bang your friend. <laughs> what a great, great, great individual that Bruce Leroy Green is. It's really good. I, I had that one too because it's it's just, it's so awkward. And there really at the funny. end, when he's walking out, he has the flowers and they literally cut the commercial at the point where he's like, why don't you teach me some moves? Everybody laughs. <laughs> I don't even have a paintbrush. Uh, so <laughs> the last one I will. That better I, than your cheese just have, floating in the wind. Yeah. Is Eddie Arcadian's open interviews to take out Bruce Leroy. I, I, what makes you think you should get double what everybody else is getting? Huh? <laughs> Give that man anything he wants. Give him a bone. Make sure you take out for the table. Huh? It so is the scene from No Holds Barred. Yeah, so essentially he's having, holding auditions and there's a guy who barks and for whatever reason, Rock, who's like Eddie Arcadian's bodyguard, understands the dog barking and he's like, why do you get double? Like he understands it. And then there's, there's just so many goofy dudes and masks and like costumes who want to be paid to take out Leroy. If you've ever seen the Hulk Hogan movie, No Holds Barred, it is literally the Kurt Fuller scene where he's trying to get all these guys in to rough up yeah. Rip. And like I said, the Eddie Arcadian character, Kurt Fuller would have been perfect for this role. I'm surprised he didn't want to go out there like everything else. Yeah. And try to get this role. So my last one, of course, it's the final scene where Leroy gets the glow. Oh, ah, damn. Let me go, motherfucker. Let me go. I just think if I'm a witness to this fight, Eddie, Laura, his little brother, I'd be like, these motherfuckers are glowing in the dark yeah. and everybody just seems okay yeah, with these this. These dudes have a glowing outline around their body. Like, how is this possible? But it just seems to escape them. Like, ah, he achieved the final level after his fucking asshole Miyagi. The worst trainer ever. Worst trainer ever. Literally fucked him over the entire time with that medallion and said, it's just a belt buckle. <laughs> Think, Leroy. You have just opened a fortune cookie without a fortune. Beaten by a master who does not exist. To find a solution to a problem whose answer you already know. 
And this? We needed a charm. A true master would use this to hold up his pants. <laughs> it's like one of those trainers you've seen in other movies. It's like a, you know, a trope where it's like, basically do, they purposely steer you wrong. It's like the whole plot of anger management yeah. with Adam Sandler. It's like they push your buttons. They do all the wrong things. And through that you learn, you know, but they literally ripped him off of. Oh yeah. Mr. Miyagi. Yes. A hundred percent. At least Mr. Miyagi had him do fucking chores to figure out how to do all this defense and yeah. all this stuff. Not this fucking No, guy. we didn't get any of that. Not at all. All right. This week we're not getting out of the pool, I guess, because this movie didn't have a pool. This is one of the first Not movies at all. we've done in a while with no pool. But if you'd be so kind, we'll be. pool party kevin it is time Woo! for a pool party this is something new we're gonna try it's our first ever pool party so basically the rules are we are attending a party that party must be set inside the universe of a movie from the year of the movie we're covering 1985 so exactly for this pool party we're attending a party set inside the universe of a 1985 movie of our choice we must list what we'd wear what we'd drive, what we'd bring to drink, an actress or actor to bring as a date, what band would play the party, and what movie we'd bring to watch, etc. The cap off the night. So, Jim, you want to go first? You want me to go first? So we want to go one for one. You do? That's fine. Okay, you yeah. go first. All right, my universe, Return of the Living Dead. Ooh, interesting. So the party is going to rage because there's tons of zombies outside trying to get in. I like that idea. So basically a zombie outbreak happens and we have to, I'll get into it. I have a little story that unfolds. Okay, so my universe is the movie Clue with multiple endings. Sweet. So if you fuck up, you have three other ways to change your night, my friend. Nice. So it's a great get together. Doesn't necessarily have to be in a house, but you go find that girl you strike out. You pull a Bruce Leroy. You're very, very shy. And you know what? You know what? Due to Zach Morris, time out. New ending. We're going to go another way with it. So any way you slice it, no matter how bad you fuck up, no matter what you do, it will always be good for you. Outfit. So in the theme of Return of the Living Dead, I'd totally be dressed as a punk. Studded leather, maybe a multicolor leopard spot mohawk, shredded jeans, you know the looks, like just total 80s punk rocker, Liberty Spikes mohawk something. So would you wear a Chris Jericho jacket now? Like to his entrance gear, you'd have one sort spike. Of. Just no pain maker makeup. Yeah, no, not whatsoever. So I have to, this is kind of a, a softball, but I even want to do this now. I'm going to dress like Don Johnson with patent white leather shoes. Okay. I'm going to come in there with a bag of cocaine I in my I kind of figured we were headed for Don Johnson or members only. For me. Yes. Car. In my scenario, once everyone realizes there are zombies, everyone's scattering trying to find safety. Someone in a Mitsubishi Stereon is nice enough to let wow. me jump in. Interesting yeah, a pick. very like kind of rare car that yeah go went toe to toe with the Porsche you know and all these other cars that that faded away. I wanted to go with something very unique to the time. So anyway, someone in a Mitsubishi Stereon, nice enough to let me jump in, and uh, because at this point maybe they didn't understand, I could have been infected. Uh, so the driver heads towards a mansion with lights on and tons of fancy cars parked out front. So basically. It's dark, you know, there's zombies, and we see this huge mansion with all the lights on and all these cars outside, so we head that way. So mine, you need to make a statement when you pull up to a house if you're at a party. You need to show them, hey, this guy is gonna be the guy to hang out with. What kind of car can that be that makes this guy completely badass? I take a 1977 Trans Am Black, pulls up to a big house, you know, there are people outside. This party is all over the place. Not only is it inside, it's out back, it's out front. Isolated property. You come up, you hear the rumble of the exhaust. You're like, holy shit, man. Is he wearing Don Johnson stuff, driving Burt Reynolds' car? <laughs> this guy knows how to fucking party. He probably has drugs on him, too. So and he's ready to party. So you're... Uh, it's my fantasy. <laughs> you're, you're Billy Madison when he went to high school. Pretty much. Uh, so... 
drinks or drink. I'm going to tell you a story about my drink. Coors, Coors Original, was illegal in many states at this time. It was made in Colorado, but it was not pasteurized, didn't contain preservatives, so therefore it was strictly regional. It was actually illegal in many states. So Smokey and the Bandit came out in the late 70s yes, and created a huge demand for Coors, but you could not get it east of the Mississippi until 1986. Because it was bootlegging. Yes. However, this party that I have stumbled into has Coors OG as much as you could drink. Uh, in banquet bottles? Yes. Oh, that's the way to do it. That's the only way to drink OG is in a banquet so bottle. So what this crazy exclusive party has bootlegged illegal Coors OG in a banquet bottle. So my party, my party flavor, if you will, if I'm just like Don Johnson, I'm showing up in a Trans Am, I'm not bringing beer. I'm distinguished. I need something new. I need something for a new generation. Not Pepsi, Bartles and James I wine knew coolers. it. I knew it. I have to bring Bartles and James because if you watch TV in around 1985, that commercial was on twice every hour yep. during prime time. Get all loaded up on all your other stuff. You can get the liquor later, but you kick off the party right here. Have one of my four pack of Bartles and James lemon lime flavor, not another flavor. Lemon oh, lime. Wow. So what band would be playing? So it's the zombie circumstance and seeking safety that forced us all into this party, this huge mansion party, all the fancy cars outside, got bootlegged illegal Coors OG inside. And who's up on that main stage at the party already in progress playing? Mr. You mentioned him earlier, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder is playing that party. How fucking great would that party be? Yeah, I'm thinking this is probably like a politician's house or like... You know, it's got to be somebody with some, like, because they got this gigantic mansion. They've got Stevie Wonder playing. He just the party. got done doing We Are the World. Yeah. He's coming straight from the studio. So mine would be a personal favorite of mine. And it would be somebody I'd call in a favorite of this party. And everybody's going to be like, man, this party's amazing. We got great drinks, Bartles and James. But we don't have any music. We need something that makes this party the absolute banger of 1985. And I can't think of one other band, Kevin. Then Mr. Mister, I'm oh, bringing. Fucking, I thought you're doing Huey Lewis. No, that was the that was the would have been typical gym party route, and I bring a Huey, and I'm friends with Huey. But this time, he's like, "Listen, I got a buddy who you need to hear, and his name is Richard Page." Let me tell you about Dick Page, one of the most underrated voices in music history. Get up there on stage, right by the pool, Kevin. Pool check, and he starts singing. And then that fucking beat kicks in. Give me the party, Mr. Mister. They play two songs and they go home. That's all they need to do because that's all I can afford. <laughs> all right. Who uh, who would you bring as a date? Now, I didn't bring a date, but we got uh, we got Stevie playing on the main stage. There's a big socialite party. A lot of celebs are like, you know, familiar faces walking around. And I've got my eye on a popular actress at the time, Ali Sheedy. Ooh. It's the end of the world, so I've got nothing to lose. But I don't go as far as to use the pickup line. Let's play house. You be the screen door and I'll slam you all night long. I'd probably just offer her a Coors OG and try and chat her up. Okay. So my date is going to be somebody. It's going to be Huey Lewis. No, it's going to breathe the news. It's just the entire news is piled into the 77 trans. So before we make our way up to the house, I look at my date and I go, let's do something special. Let's make an appearance like no other. She proceeds to get out of the car and get on the hood of it. And we slowly move up. We crank the music. Ladies and gentlemen, my date to the party of the year 1985 is one, rest in peace, Tawny Katane. That's great. Coming straight off a bachelor party. She's ready to party. Because David Coverdale's working the door. (laughs) (laughs) So what movie would be playing at the party? So after Stevie's done playing, he's put in a two-hour set of all his hits up to that point. He's going crazy on the keys. I noticed that someone put a movie on and it's starring someone that Stevie knows from when they just did We Are the World together. Someone's put on Dr. Detroit starring Dan Aykroyd. (laughs) So it's the end of the world, the zombies outside, and we're watching Dr. Detroit. (laughs) Uh, You know what though? That's what? It's a very underrated Dan Aykroyd Mm -hmm. movie. It's really good. So mine... Going the opposite way. It is 3.30 in the morning. Everybody's tired. Everybody's drunk on wine coolers and blow. Mr. Mister's done. He left. I could only afford two songs. So he has to go. 
So everybody's feeling a little, little randy, a little horny. So in no. order to seal the deal with everybody left at the party, let's get ready for an orgy. But what movie am I putting on? Deep Throat. Oh, my God. Let's get fucking crazy. Wow. So let's start getting horned up. Let's start doing blow off oh. each other's bodies. And let's cap off the night until the early morn oh. with the sounds of one Linda Lovelace. I was like, he's not going there. And he did. Fucking went there, son. So the other thing I have to mention about my party. So everyone knows we're not leaving. At this point, everyone's realized, okay, the zombies are outside. Who knows? Anybody that got in this party might have got bit because at this big socialite party, they don't know what's going on outside. You know, everybody that came in does. So Stevie's like, all right, we're here. Stevlin Judkins is like, I'm going to play another set. <laughs> and he decides play this late night. And halfway through the set, Stevie Wonder turns into a zombie. Oh. And that's... uh. Yeah, that's the end of my movie scenario. Now, here's the thing. What do you do later that morning? Like, do you go to the diner at 11 a.m. in the morning and have breakfast off a hangover? Well, you know, I, or go I, to don't, a I mean, in my scenario, they're zombies. So that's a good point. I figure everybody either dies or has to come up with some plan to get out of there. I'm going to Denny's with a hangover and a story to tell. Yeah. All right. That was really, really fun. And I'm very curious to see when we do other years, it'll be a good time. For example, we mentioned it last week when we start season season seven, seven. seven. when we start season seven with a 1994 movie, bunch of different universes. Hopefully neither of us picked Shawshank Redemption. That would be the worst universe to ever appear in hey, guys i got a great party to prison yeah let's do it if you pick forrest gump you can uh, transcend time and jenny <laughs> all right we'll be again uh, get us get us back to our regularly scheduled program All right, critical question. What do you think Barry Gordy's biggest accomplishment is? Didn't he also discover, he didn't discover Michael Jackson, did he? Jackson 5. Jackson 5, so yeah, Michael Jackson. I would say probably teaming with Stan Hansen as the Miracle Violence Connection in All Japan <laughs> Pro Wrestling. Oh, wait, that's Terry. That's Terry. Darn, that's, that's his brother. That's Terry Gordy. Terry and Barry Gordy. Gordy. Uh, I'd probably say the combination of starting Motown Records and signing Marvin Gaye, although signing Marvin Gaye maybe led to Marvin Gaye's porn addiction, which thus led to him being shot by his father. Oh, I was going to say Marvin Gaye was at my party, but yeah. yeah. Dad was chasing him. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to some logic. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. I have a few. I loved this movie, so yeah. I hate to tear it down. I don't. I didn't like it as much watching it today as I did all those times growing up. Still a classic. But I will say, I'll start off. I'll say, who trained Shonuff? It's never disclosed how he learned the shit he so did. So despite Leroy's trainer being bad, at least he had a trainer that we know. Shonuff has reached the final level and has the glow. How? Who trained him? How does he know this stuff? I have a feeling if this movie was made in 95, not 85, what, you have to have a twist. You notice throughout this whole movie, Daddy Green Sr. does not want his son fighting Shonuff because he knows how powerful Shonuff is. What if Shonuff was like, what if Daddy Green was a teacher, taught him everything he knows, and then he ended up becoming evil, he ended up getting the red glow, and he never wanted to divulge to his family or his son that he was the one that trained. Well, that's pretty interesting. Show enough. It, I could see it being a twist, but you never know who trained him. I'd love to have known who would have trained a guy that has the power of the glow, but is slow as shit. Yeah. He's he has no lumbering. speed. He lumbers horribly. So mine is, I don't get, first of all, Eddie Arcadian has all this money. He's a video game king. Yeah. Has all these video jukeboxes. Yet somehow he lives in a small ass pseudo small yeah. apartment. I have a lot of problems with Eddie Arcadian and his money because Eddie is obsessed with getting his girlfriend's music video on Laura's show Seventh Heaven. But why can't he find anybody else with some at least talent? He has enough money to where he could either manage an artist who's good or he could just start his own video show. That's what I don't get. 
And also, the other thing I don't get, how are they even a thing, Eddie and Angela? No idea. She is so wholesome. I, well, there's play a, play a second of that whole bit. Go have a nice, normal, boring life. Well, to tell you the truth, Eddie, it couldn't be any more boring than hanging around here with all this cook in my hair while you guys go play cops and robbers. Where you gonna go, Angie? Without me, you're nothing. Without that outfit, you're just another no-talent dental hygiene school dropout from two gardens getting by. On our tits. And in the end, Daddy, you know what? You're nothing but a misguided midget asshole with dreams of ruling the world. Yeah, also from Kew Gardens. And also getting by on my tits. So they both came from, is it Hugh Gardens or Kew Gardens? Kew Gardens. And they both came from there. So it seems like they've kind of came up together. They understand what lives they used to have. But she basically tells him, you're using me. She's very grounded to earth and his head is in the clouds. So next I'll say there's like the future technology sort of. So it's 1985 and they have the video jukebox. (laughs) It's a jukebox that plays a music video. It's just cool. Really cool. But we still don't like we still didn't have that. We never had that. Because I always thought it would have been awesome. Imagine like if there's a touch tunes, like there is at a regular bar, but when you put in the money, it played the music video on all of the screens. They don't even do that now. No, that's what I mean. It would have been really cool. That would have been really cool. It's a great idea that you could have a year 80s place. Yes. Timac. There's one point where we're in Eddie's, once again, Eddie's apartment is a cause of a lot of concern for me. At one point, Timac, Bruce Leroy, shows up as a ninja to start kicking everybody's ass when it is clear as day. Well, tell it, set us up why. How does he know to go there? He finds Eddie Arcadian's producer notebook outside of Seventh Heaven after his goon kidnaps Lord Charles. Yeah. So somehow the... He just finds Eddie Arcadian's address. The address seems to have been in there, Kevin. And when he shows up, he dressed as a ninja with... The eyes and the nose exposed, just about most of the nose. And here's the thing. You can clearly see it's not Timac. Why not just have Timac do that scene? Uh, The dude looked like Will Smith. I will say something we didn't mention is inside Eddie's apartment, he has some sort of creature. I always thought it was like piranha. It makes but they don't some ever sort of like man-eating fish tank. It's like yeah. And Leroy, when he arrives to save Laura, he puts Eddie in that fish tank, and he freaks the hell out. Yeah, I'm hoping it's all these piranha came together to form like a like a piranha zord. Pir- I was gonna say piranha zord. A piranha zord from the movie The Toy with Richard Pryor. <laughs> you can't go in there, Jack. There are piranha in there. You get perfectly cut out holes in your clothes. Exactly. Seventh Heaven. It's on five nights a week. <laughs> yeah, weekday nights, Kevin. It's weekday yeah. nights. They're making her work. They're making her put in forty hours. <laughs> And like you only had three channels at this time. One of the local channels is like, we don't need news programming. You just, you can have Laura Charles five nights a week. The thing that's bad too is their audio is absolutely dreadful. There's so much reverb on a PA speaker, I, which I don't even understand why they have an audio set up like that. But that big, massive platform they have up there with all that shit fascinates me. I would love to have gone to seventh heaven, but is it just the number seven? Or are they going to spell out seventh? They do both. Blows my mind. And the last piece of logic that I have, yellow and red don't make blue. (laughs) So (laughs) I loved when you pointed that uh, out. Bruce Leroy, Leroy Green, his glow is yellow. Shonoff's glow is red. When they're both glowing and Leroy kicks or punches Shonoff, it sparks blue. Yellow and red do not make blue. They make orange. (laughs) So somebody needed a color wheel. Also, I'd like to point out the fact that after Leroy tries to hint that he needs help or his friend needs help with moves, she takes him to seventh heaven. So we'd have to say this is the very next day. So in the process of a day, she was able to interlink a song and create a video with yeah. Bruce Lee within yes. it. What's that? Chinese connection. He has disguised himself in order to get... You feel Just like nothing. Edited an entire like music video package. Yeah, for him. In one day. And he just walks out on it. So the Chinese connection, where he gets the idea of dressing up 
like a pizza delivery guy it goes horribly wrong yeah big sausage pizza all right what any legacy for this movie i mean shonoff's been parodied a million times it has a lot of pop culture references like yeah. for instance the 2011 song kevin's favorite song he might not ever tell you this but the song by lmfao sexy and i know it features a verse that states and like Bruce Leroy, I got the glow. In the 2018 film featuring Tessa Thompson's character, Detroit reenacting dialogue from the film. Busta Rhymes dresses as Shonuff. And also, Kevin, speaking of pop culture, in 2005 at a Halloween party, I dressed as Shonuff. The Shogun from Harlem, however, I did not have any glow whatsoever. And that kind of sucks. So why did LMFAO use those lyrics, though? So, you know, LMFAO, the yeah. uh, the party rockers are made up of Sky Blue and Red Foo is their names. Yeah. Well, Sky Blue is Barry Gordy's son. Well, he's, I don't know. If, yeah, it's, uh he's the grandson of Barry Gordy because his dad is Barry Gordy the fourth. So he's Barry Gordy's. Not Terry Gordy. No. Not Bam Bam Terry no, Gordy. He's Barry okay. Gordy's grandson. Then Red Foo is the half-brother of Rockwell. Somebody's watching me. Yes. That he wasn't good enough, but they had to have Michael Jackson do the chorus in the Right, song. and then he is the uncle of Sky Blue. So Small world. Yeah, so they're Gordy kids. So it's cool that they used a reference to this movie. Where would you put this in the pantheon of Kung Fu action movies, Kevin? Would you say this is a part of it or no? Yeah. Cause I was asking you, like, I'm like, would they consider this a black exploitation film? No. But it's really not. No. There are elements within this movie that are very fucking racist. Yeah. There's a term that me and you learned in this movie. We're like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh yeah, it's um it's good. I mean, it, it's not it's cheesy. It's a comedy and it's it's awesome. It's a classic. It's an absolute cult hit. And it makes me wish Barry Gordy would have done some other movies. Barry Gordy's dirty dancing. Yeah. Uh all right, stick around for some plugs. Hey, I'm TJ. Hey you, over there, get ready to dive into the deep end on the Pool Scene Podcast, baby. Pool Sceners, as always, thank you for listening to the episode this week right here on the Pool Scene Podcast. And if you want to know what's going to be coming up on future episodes or what Kevin and I may be thinking at any given time, Hop over to our Facebook page at Pool Scene Podcast. Make sure you smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm. And while you are there, join the Pool Sceners Facebook group. It is for you. Exclusive access will be put right onto that group page and nowhere else. You will also have a voice in what you guys want to hear on upcoming episodes, polls, ideas, so many fun things. So make sure you join the Pool Sceners page on Facebook. Also, we have Instagram. Check out some amazing photos live from Studio 536. Also, we're trendy with the kids. Go over to our TikTok at Pool Scene Pod 1. And as always, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. And with that, back to Kevin. Now, Anthony, I know that you you are currently with Rick Rubin and you're recording a new album. I think Rick Rubin also produced Stadium Arcadium, the double album. And John Frusciante has returned for the third time to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's back again! But Anthony, if you would, please. That would be a waste of time. I appreciate that. So the first thing I'm going to talk about in the waste of time is last week we covered Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We had a debate whether Ferris was a good person, a bad person. Well, our votes on social media have determined that they're wrong. Oh, that they say not overwhelmingly, but it's like a 6336 have decided that Ferris is indeed a bad person. 63% of you love you. You're absolutely wrong. So then the other thing I want to mention the waste of time is that this past weekend, Jim and I, for Jim's fast and 40th birthday ah. trip, Yep. We went to Kennywood. The weirdest layout amusement park in world history. Kennywood is in West Mifflin, Pennsylvania, right past Pittsburgh from coming from Youngstown where we're at. So we did get the threat of rain. And it kept everybody away. no one there. Nobody. It was great. I watched. So after we went to Kennywood, I watched several Kennywood videos, park tours, informational tours and stuff. And in those videos, I saw some really long lines. How bad? Really bad. Like we're talking multiple hours. I'm talking like 
probably an hour to get those waffle fries or whatever they were, those potato patch fries. First off, I don't want to slam anybody out there. I got a lot of recommendations. You got to do the potato patch fries. You go to well, friggin' any, go to Five Guys. In That's- fairness... What other food options really were there? You know what I mean? Like there weren't much. There was like you'd go to Johnny Rockets, six dollar hot dog. So we we went in a gift shop, and uh, well, we went in all the gift shops, but we went in the gift shop, and I realized across from the gift shop in these videos, gigantic arcade, and we missed it, and it wasn't open. Oh, it was okay. closed. So I don't know if that was employee shortage or what, but it, it wasn't. We would have saw it because directly across that entire building was an arcade. When it's open, it's all lit up. You see all the games and stuff. So well, speaking of gift shops, Kevin, we have one bonus to pick with Kenny Wood and oh. I sent them a tweet and they didn't respond. It's a huge bone to pick. Fuckers. So Kevin and I were looking for roller coaster, like the very like hammy roller coaster over the top shirts. Yeah. They have 7 million steel curtain roller coaster t-shirts there. And quite frankly, that roller coaster is probably the third best one in the park. Then they have the other ones like the racer, other things you put on shot glasses, science and all that shit. They have several shirts for the fries. Exactly. For the fucking fries that were just, you can go to five guys and get the same fries. They have, that was just ranked last month, the number two roller coaster in the country. Phantom's Revenge, which Kevin and I rode three times. Yeah. Awesome. Smooth. What an amazingly awesome roller coaster. Not one bit of fucking merchandise for that roller coaster at all. No shot glass, no coffee mugs, no little magnet. No postcards, nothing. It's so weird, too, because I can't find anything online. Like, I found one shot glass. I found two t-shirts on eBay or wherever, and that's it. It's as if, because at one point it was called Steel Phantom. Yes. It's as if one point, there was probably a ton of Steel Phantom shit. Maybe. And they're like, we got to rename this. Just Did you watch any of the videos on what the difference was with Steel Phantom? No, I did not. So it's basically the same roller coaster. Except for Steel Phantom had a few inversions. Okay, so they, they eliminated removed them. all the inversions, and that's what it is. Like, but you know what though? The one thing about Kenny, what I will say, Phantom's Revenge, a Thunderbolt, and even the Jackrabbit, which is like a hundred years old, are all great rides because they utilize the landscape and natural contours yeah. of the land that it's on. Awesome rides. Steel Curtain, I don't get it. So I will say, okay, so Jim and I arrive at the park. We get there before open because... Weird parking situation before we even get yeah, into the there park. there is a free parking lot and there's a $12 parking lot. The difference between the two is Five, 20, yeah, 20 feet. If that. Yeah, is... So we park for free and then we waited to get in the park because any roller coaster enthusiast or park enthusiast will know if you arrive at the park before open, if there's a ride that's going to have... like. Okay, you go to Cedar Point. If you want to ride Top Throw Dragster. Steel go, Vengeance. Go, yeah, Steel Vengeance. Going and open might be your only shot. Unless you, need you to want run. to wait for three or four hours. So go ride those coasters first thing because at worst, the only people that are going to beat you on that ride are the people that beat you there. And it's not going to be a thousand people. Not it's going to be a handful. So you're going to get to ride at worst 15 minutes or so. So Jim and I here, the lines can be very long for uh, Steel Curtain. The Pittsburgh Steelers team. Yeah, so we go, and we pretty much get right on. Right on. And then we get off, we get right back on, and get to ride it again. The most we waited for any ride was probably that one, and it was 20 minutes max. Now, I I don't hate anything in life as much as I probably hate the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it, like, pains me to say, but, like, the setup is really cool. They have like this like replica stadium as part of the design and um, Steelers country or whatever it's called. And like the whole area and theming for the ride is really cool. The ride itself. Disappointing. If this ride were at Cedar Point, it's in the lower tier. It would be probably 11th or 12th. You have a very steep first climb and then it. It goes into like a little mini hill. And but it's not it, just that. F- the first climb has an old chain. Yeah. It's not even a cable. So you take your time up there, but it would have made it better if it was just one big drop right afterwards. But you go into like seven inversions. Yeah. It's cool. It's got, I want to say it's got the tallest inversion in out of any coaster in the yeah. United States, but I will. It was super smooth. Yeah. It wasn't jerky. See, if this ride was like 15 years old, it might be awful. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's super smooth. And then, uh, so Jim went up from there, but then we kind of realized Okay, we got on that right away because we were the first in the park. So then we go and ride Phantom Revenge. Revenge. Still no line. We start riding everything. Me and Jim rode every coaster at the park. In an hour and a half. In an hour and a half. Seven coasters. And then ended up riding 
you know, everything three or four times. Except if you go there, you could skip, what's it, Exterminator? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, Don't Ride Exterminator. That thing we thought would be like an ode to disaster transport, the inside so, roller coaster. I will say where Exterminator is, <laughs> it's no is the nicest land. part of the park. Yeah, yeah it's, it's called it's Lost, Lost Kennywood. Yeah. And it's like a reference to, I think they call it Luna Park. And that whole area is really nice. There's a fountain a big in log the middle pool. and it's super, super nice. I like that part of the park. Uh, we rode the yo-yos over there. Never was allowed to be on a yo-yo when I was a little kid. So this was the first time I was ever on one. Loved it. Yeah. So we did miss out on something, which was Old Mill. Yeah. Because Old Mill, I watched a video, is like, uh, it's like a hundred year old ride and you literally ride in a log and it's on a water track. You don't get wet, but you just float through and it's not like haunted. So again, with, was it Jackrabbit? Yeah. They restored it and then unrestored it because it no, was racer, racer. Oh, racers. Okay. So racers, they restored and then they unrestored. Well, Old Mill was Old Mill for like 60 years. And then they changed the ride to Garfield's Nightmare. Oh, Christ. So it had Garfield theme. Oh. And everybody was like, it was really weird. Yeah. And then they switched it back from Garfield's Nightmare. They switched it back to Old Mill. I wish we would have rode it. Although oh. it was closed for a portion. Although, Kevin, we did ride something haunted. Whatever the hell that ride was like next to Thunderbolt. Ghastly Manor or something. I was waiting for there to be some sort of lift hill or something. But it's uh -huh. just one of those slow... Look at all the scary stuff, but nothing even popped out. There wasn't an air horn. I love it. Nothing. It was so cool. It was weird. But Kennywood, it's probably one of the weirdest parks I've ever been to because you can get everything done on a dead day in an hour. It's just, I don't know how to describe so, it. So they have two rides that were either closed or not there anymore when we were there. They have a equivalent to like the Grizzly Run. So it's like a boat that goes over rapids and stuff. I think that one's there and it was closed. And then they have this other, it's like a Matterhorn theme type thing that's like a, uh, it sort of seems like a Music Express or something. I don't think that's there anymore. I don't think it is either. So, um, a lot of interesting outfits we saw. My people. biggest problem with Kennywood is two biggest problems. It's one, too expensive. Yeah, one is too expensive. If you bought regular price tickets, you're looking at, I think it's $60. There's not much of a kitty land. I mean, there's like maybe eight rides. There's a Thomas area, which we didn't check out, like a Thomas the Tank engine area if so if you took a family of four you're looking at 240 dollars plus tax it's boring and there's not enough to do and then the other problem is the scenery yeah is <laughs> so you're like across the street plant. from power plants with smokestack <laughs> so the view from all the rides are smokestacks it's literally the background if you watch the movie judgment night that's it's what like it reminds encounter. me of like homer simpson like i was waiting to see a shutdown auto factory it's yeah, like it's, you don't even see the pittsburgh city skyline no it's like um i mean you go to cedar point it's on the lake you go to Waldemere, we went through a couple weeks ago, on the lake. You know, you go to some of these other parks, and uh, Kings Island's not next to a lake or anything but, like that. Not, but it's not next to a power plant. I'm pretty sure you see Cincinnati or yeah, something. Well, no. You know, oh. but it's it, but it's not next to a power plant. You no. know, it's just you just see parking lots and yeah, you know, and fields or whatever. But it's not next to a power plant. It's just weird. Um, and it's it's small. I don't know that they have room for expansion or not. I don't know. Oh, I will say the other my third problem. The entrance situation. Oh, God, yeah. You have to walk a quarter mile through like a tunnel, which people who love Kennywood that grow up going there, that's like iconic for them. The tunnel. The famous Kennywood tunnel. But it's like you walk up this big hill or down this big hill, and then you have to walk through this big tunnel before you even come out into the park. But for something to be so infamous and famous, don't you think you'd paint a fucking mural within that tunnel? There used to be, because on the videos I watched, there were Steeler Stripes. Okay. But now it's just playing. There's just that goodbye heart as you leave, yeah. which is a big photo opportunity. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, if you get discount tickets, Jim and I got some discount tickets, thankfully, and we basically Thank paid God. the price of one yeah. ticket for both of us rather than two. And uh, and I'd say avoid the free, or avoid the pay parking. Well, I paid 12 bucks for 20 feet. If you have no problem walking, walk. Not that you know if it's going to be busy or not, but if I had to wait for anything at that park, I would be furious. I'd be pissed.
because the way we went and we were able to get on everything, that's the way to do it. Plus, one train ops basically the whole time. Not that many staff. So yeah. you were at the well, mercy. Yeah. And the, the Phantom's Revenge... If anybody has any Phantom's Revenge merch, send it my way because it just does not exist. Yeah, we want it. I and found, the pizza, the uh, McDonald's. We box. did find a Phantom's Revenge hat. Oh, that great. was gray with just a black outline. Yeah. So, but we got our credits. Yeah, it was fun. Fast in the 40th, everybody. Yeah, we're gonna. I don't know if we'll do it this year, but we're gonna try and get to Kings Island or Cedar Point or something. Hell yeah, it's a way uh, to do it and knock those out. So, all right, everyone. I uh, I don't know what we're doing next week. If we decide, maybe we'll throw a trailer right here, but uh, I don't know what movie we're covering. So until next week, Salancia. When you reach down a balloon, you're my balloon.